We are looking at the series, The Grace of God. The Grace of God. This is a series that Bishop has been preaching for the last three uh, or so weeks, and we are building on what he has preached. Our main text is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. Chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. We will not read it this morning, but I'll just quickly recap the last two uh, services, and then we will then build on it. Um, so when he started the series, uh, Bishop indicated that when Paul moved from Athens to Corinth, he changed his strategy to ministry. He changed his strategy to the mission that is in Corinth. In Athens, uh, he engaged with philosophers. Athens being a Greek city uh, dominated by uh, uh, philosophers, he was engaging you know, it reminds me of the scripture that says, come, let's reason together. So that was Paul, that was what Paul was doing. He was uh, inviting them to come and reason with him, you know, about their views and the worldview they have around who God is and introduced, him, uh, introduced them to this unknown God, all right? So when he gets to Corinth, he then uh, changed text. He realizes that and, and praying and being prayerful, he realizes that the same strategy that was in Athens cannot be applied in Corinth. But in Corinth instead, he comes and says, I come to you not with eloquent words or speech, but I come with you with the, the presence and the power of the signs and wonders of God. Hallelujah. So therefore in chapter 2, then he tells them that because of the signs and wonders, your church was birthed. And that birthing was because of the grace of God that was present. Hallelujah. Amen. So we can see that the concept grace was one of the concepts that uh, Paul loved. The, actually, when you read throughout the Bible, uh, uh, the scholars indicate that, you know, the, the word uh, grace appears more, I think more than 150 or 153 times in the Bible. And two-thirds of that is in the writings of Paul when he writes. Uh, it is about 129 times where Paul uses the word grace. So therefore, it becomes an important uh, uh, concept. It has become an important thing. And I would put to you that it is one of the distinctives that sets Christianity apart from other nations. So he goes on to, 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 to tell us that grace uh, is the word charis in Greek. And the way in which Paul used grace, especially in uh, 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 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, and, and, um, and when you look at it in the book of Romans, and even in his life, you realize that it, spe it speaks of grace being an empowerment, uh, grace being an influence, grace being an enabler, all right? So that's one part of the definition uh, as, as such. I like one author who says that grace is like one coin with two sides. The one side is the word, both of them is cherries, but it, the one side is about power, it's about enablement, it's about influence that God gives upon your life. So this is what Paul says uh, about it. He says that uh, uh, it is a word that was taken from the secular world, especially the Greeks. The Greeks believed that when you are touched by the gods, something happens to you, all right? Something happens to you, and therefore he takes that concept and says it is the same way with God, uh, uh, Jehovah. When he touches you, something changes. One is that he, 
uh, gives you, empowers you, and that empowering is an empowering presence that transforms your life. Grace, when God touches you, the touch of God brings about transformation in your life. The touch of God brings about empowering, empowerment in your life. Therefore, grace gives you uh, the ability that you previously didn't have. That's why each one of us as believers, each one of us as Christians, we are given spiritual gifts. That we may be able to can use them. But not only that, that it is the grace that comes upon our lives to enable us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have. Hallelujah. So we looked at, Bishop looked at the, the, the manifestations of grace in our lives. In Acts chapter 44, verse 33, it says the grace, um, the grace, the great grace equipped the apostles, says that with great power they gave witness. All right. So with great power they gave witness. So this year, you look here and, and see that grace has measures. It has measures. Okay, there's great grace, there's grace, and there's great grace. So here, the great grace gave the apostles great power such that they were able to can heal people. They were able to can cause the word of God to spread very quickly. Why? Because of great grace that is coming upon us. Secondly, is that he indicated that grace can be seen. The grace of God can be seen. This is when Barnabas goes to Antioch. And he was able to can see that the city has changed. It has changed, why? Because the people of God came and ministered. The disciples ministered to the Greeks, and therefore it changed that atmosphere. And I want to say, say to you that the people that last saw you 15 years ago, the people that last saw you 10 years ago, or even 5 years ago, or even 3 years ago, when they meet you, they are able to can see that something has changed. You are no longer the same person you were before. Why? Because grace has touched you. It is the touch of, the touch of God. So here grace is in empowerment. And number three he said that grace manifests itself in spiritual gifts. In Romans 12, we read about the, the same grace that gives each one different gifts. It says if you have the gift of prophecy, prophesy. If you have the gift of leading, lead diligently. If you have a gift of giving, give generously. If you have a gift of service, serve. If you have a gift of encouragement, encourage others. Number four, it says that the, God, the, the, the grace of God gave or enabled Paul to be a master builder. Therefore, it can give you the ability to do things that you didn't know before. That all of a sudden, God is able to can cause you to be an, a good administrator. Even when you have not gone and become educated around that. But because of the grace of God. And it is there. It is, it is demonstrated. We find situations where you get a person with one degree leading a board of professors. But they are able to can move and lead them well. Why? Because the grace of God is upon them. The touch of God is upon them. So we find that in the book of uh, 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 First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. In First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul says that the, the word grace here speaks of empowering presence of God. That brings about permanent change. That permanent, that grace changed him and it changed him permanently. I see you being per, uh, changed permanently. I say, I see you being changed permanently. Why? Because when grace comes, Barcelona, it brings about transformation. It brings about transformation. 
We'll unpack it later on again. Number six, God wants his grace to abound in us. He wants it to abound because when it abounds, then we get to a point where we lack nothing. We are able to be sufficiently being provided for. That is Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, uh, God wants his grace to abound in our lives that we may have sufficiently in all things. God doesn't want us to be poor. God wants us to be supplied, to have sufficiency of all things. Lastly, it says, every believer has received a charisma. Every believer has received a charisma. The word charisma is the word gifts. So turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I have a charisma. I have a touch of God. So those are the manifestations. So today, we're looking at the effects of God's grace upon our lives. The effects of God's grace upon our lives. So, so far, we've been speaking about the one side of the coin, the one side of grace, which is the empowerment. The second one is the, the grace, the saving power, and the saving grace of God. The saving power and the saving grace of God. What we term as unmerited favor. The simple definition that unmerited favor. So you realize from this that, you know, there are definitions of grace. And when you read it, get to a point where you understand that it is not a contradiction, but rather it is something that goes as a complementary. It is the same coin with two sides. In the book of John, chapter 1, verse 17, this is speaking about Christ. John says, For the law was given to by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. So one says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. On the other hand says, I bring to you the unmerited favor of God. All right. When we read uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are we saved through faith, and not of uh, yourselves. It is the gift of God, verse 9, not of works, lest any should boast. Notice says that by grace you are saved, through faith. All right. By grace. So therefore, you cannot earn grace. You cannot earn no grace. Grace is received. Alright. All we need to do is to receive that grace. You cannot work for it. Alright. So God, uh, grace is accessed by faith. Alright. And faith is a demonstration of obedience. Faith is a demonstration of obedience. Obedience is not to earn grace but to show that we trust God. Are you with me, Bazalan? So you cannot earn grace. Grace is given. It's given for free, all right? And you cannot earn it. And grace is accessed via faith. All right? And faith is you being obedient to God. When God says give, you give. When God says witness, you witness. When God says pray, you pray. And when you do that obedience of the word, you are doing it not to save yourself. Because grace has been given for your salvation. But you are doing it so that you may be able to live a life worthy of the calling. So your obedience now, it is not to earn anything. Your obedience, it is to show that I trust God. Are you with me, Mazalan? Are we together so far? So... When, when we've done that, those two verses, we, we can therefore say that grace is that which is freely bestowed with no expectation of return. 
It is that which is freely bestowed with no expectation of return. So when God gives you this, his salvation, when God gives you his grace, he does not expect anything from you. Therefore, you cannot buy grace. Even if you are to give a trillion rent or trillion dollars, you cannot buy it. Remember when, when, when that guy wanted to buy the spirit of the Lord in, in, in the book of Acts, and he was shunned, he was rebuked by Peter. Why? Because you cannot buy it. There is nothing that you can do. Even if you give your child, uh, or, uh, your child over for sacrifice. That's why God hated when his children, uh, the children of Israelites were offering their children for sacrifice. Why? Because they don't understand that his grace cannot be bought. Hallelujah. Secondly, grace is an act which finds its only motive in, in, good, in the good-heartedness of the giver. It's an act which finds its only motive in the good-heartedness of the giver. So it is you can hear and see from here that grace is the character of God. It is the attribute. It's one of the attributes of God. Just like mercy, it is an attribute of God. Just like goodness is an attribute of God. Grace is an attribute of God. It is, the, it is out of his goodness that he gives his grace. The unmerited favor. The last definition is that grace is the undeserved and end and merited favor of God bestowed upon sinful men. Bestowed upon sinful men. Me and you are sinful. We are sinners. We are born in sin. We are living in sin. We do sin. So therefore, we do not deserve grace. But yet we have been given. Undeserved for man deserves wrath. Sin has to be punished, Bazalan. That is the justice of God. Just like the grace is the character of God, justice is the character of God. You cannot escape. You cannot say, no, we'll run with, uh, with, with grace only and continue to live in sin. No. God's character demands that there should be justice for every sin that happens. So we deserved an, uh, the wrath of God. But Jesus Christ was crucified so that he who was not without sin was made to be sin. So in that way, the justice of God was met. Was met. Justice required punishment, and therefore Christ was punished for us. We, we, and it is an, an end for men cannot earn this grace by works. You cannot earn grace by works. If you earn, by, if you earn grace by, by his works, therefore it's not grace. That's what Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 11 verse 6. He says, if it's grace and you end it by, if it's end by works, it's no longer grace. For grace is unmerited favor. And end, you cannot end it. No matter what you do. Why? Because God doesn't want you to boast and say, it is my work. Whilst you know it is not your work, it is God's work. It is him who saves people. It is not us. It is unmerited for there is nothing in man that deserves it. It is unmerited because there is nothing. The book of Romans chapter 3 verse, verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. No, not some, not many. All. All of us have sinned. As long as you are a man, born of a woman and a man, you are sinned because you are born in sin. You live in sin. You do sin. 
So what is it that can help us? Accept the grace of God. So the grace of God, therefore, it becomes the saving grace. It becomes the saving grace that we do not deserve. So what does grace do for us? What can, God, what can the grace of God do in our lives? Karen Wingate says that it can do six things. One is that grace can freeze you. It can free you. It, it frees you from wanting to earn. This is how she puts it. It says it frees you from having to live perfectly perfect life before you can enter the inner circle of God. Many of us, or many people, want to horbite God before they come to God. But God says, we put It's like filthy rags. So therefore, what do you do? You come just as you are. Come as just as you are. Now, you don't understand. Or drugs. Every sentence that I say, Why? Because how Zogala grace will transform you. Don't wait. You will not help yourself. God will help you. Hallelujah. It frees you from the bondage and penalty of sin. It frees you from the emotional tangle of sin entrapment. How many of us go around living with condemnation? When you come, grace says, when you, when you come and receive me, know this, there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ. Are you with me, Bazalan? So it frees us. John chapter 8 verse 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will, free, you will be free indeed. You will be free indeed, not in part, indeed. That word indeed, it means holistically. Your entirety, 100%. Secondly, grace forgives you. Grace forgives you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, In him who have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches, riches of God's grace. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. Because God's grace is rich, it's able to can give forgiveness. It's able to can pay for your debt such that you are forgiven. You are debt free in as far as sin is concerned. So that's what grace does. Are you burdened with guilt of past sins? Afraid you can't forget? Afraid others won't forget? According to Jesus, it's over. He has removed your sins from, uh, from as far as the east is from the west. And no, Bazalan, the east and the west don't meet. They don't meet. How went they so? There's no, there's no covering. That's how far he, he forgets your, your sins and forgives your sins. Hallelujah. So Jesus Christ paid the price. He forgave you uh, by standing in your place. That is the idea behind 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, when John calls Jesus Christ our advocate. So Jesus Christ stands and as our advocate to be able to can negotiate for us, to plead with us and say, Father, they are righteous. They are righteous because I, I, I paid for their debt. That's what uh, grace does. It forgives us. Number three, grace blesses you. Grace blesses us. 
Romans 8:32 He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things could he demonstrated firstly by giving us his son his only begotten son when someone gives you a son and and and, and crucified a son for you you should know that he is willing to give you everything because that is the best of the best that he can give. So therefore, it says that if we want blessings, he can bless us. Now I understand when Paul says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Why? Because God is prepared. He's prepared. And it's very interesting, Barcelona, that we struggle with jealousy. We are jealous of others when God blesses them. But we don't understand that the same blessings that they have, we are able to can receive. Amen. When we receive the grace of God and allow the grace of God to work in our lives. In that way, we are able to can achieve. Hallelujah. Amen. Number four. Grace transforms you. Grace transforms us. Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19. I will give them an undivided heart. And put a new spirit in them. I'll remove from them their heart of stone and give them the heart of flesh. All of a sudden, oh, softy, softy. Yeah. I was telling them in a seven o'clock service, have you seen a psychopath? Could a psychopath can kill a person? Yeah. He can steal just for the sake of stealing and not care. He's a psychopath. There's something in his mind. But God says, one that person gets the touch of his grace. He gets transformed. I'll take a heart of stone and I'll give him a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh makes him sensitive. No, it is not about you. Therefore, you don't go around uh, having uh, uh, ill-disciplined continuity. No, discipline is required. But the difference here is that this one of the heart of flesh, he is sensitive. Sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, sensitive to the word of God, sensitive to the, to the cares of others. He is sensitive. He's able to, to respond when God directs him. He does not have a heart of stone. Therefore, he's transformed. I see you being transformed by grace. Number five, grace indwells you. Grace indwells you. God chooses to live within us through his Holy Spirit. This indwelling of the Holy Spirit gives us power, freedom to not, to not only worship God at a new level, but he sets us apart, which is called sanctification. Many of us, many of us go around life, even after we've been born again, to want to end holiness on our own. Because sanctification is about holiness, being set apart. We then struggle and struggle and strive, and we don't achieve it, and we will never achieve it. On our own strength, we cannot. We are limited. But the grace of God is there to help us. Help us to live this Christian life. Help us live this Christian life. Listen to, to what Max Locuro says. God expects us to change, then gives us the power to pull it off. He expects us to change. Don't think because you are, you are living under grace, you can go on living as you want. No. God expects you to change. But he doesn't leave you to, to it, to do it yourself. He gives you the power to change. 
So that power to change is the grace of God. It helps you to change and become uh, 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 like what God wants you to do. Anything I do for him and because of him is through him, not of myself. How, how are we to live by grace and not merit? We live by grace because grace lives in us. So therefore, God helps, uh, expects us to be gracious, expects us to live by grace. Why? Because he has put grace in our lives. He has empowered us. But then we can be able to can live this life. This life worthy of the calling. This life that God wants us to live. We can live it by the grace of God. Because the grace of God empowers us. The grace of God, God we have received it uh, without merit. Number six, grace empowers you. Grace empowers you. God has given us purpose. Every one of us here. You have a purpose. Every one of you have a vision. Every one of you has a mission. Every one of you has an assignment. There are things that only you can do. There are things that God expects you to do. But you see, he does and outline these things. Your purpose, vision, mission, and assignment. And then he equips you. He gives you the relevant gifts. It could be a gift of administration. It could be a gift of leading. It could be a gift of serving. Always, note, always, Bazalani, always, your gift is around your purpose. Your gift is around your mission. Your gift is around your vision. God cannot expect you to go to the moon and not teach you how to fly. He will teach you how to fly. That's why it's called provision. He provides for his vision. Hallelujah. So those six things, Bazalani, that we have outlined. The fact that uh, grace uh, frees us. Grace forgives us. Grace is able to can, uh, transform us. Grace blesses us. Grace, um, uh, uh, the other one is grace indwells us. All of these things, they are there to be able to be seen in our lives. This is what grace does for us. But now let's look at what grace, what are the effects of grace in our lives. What are the effects of grace in our lives? One is that grace can be seen. We have said it before as a manifestation, but now we're saying it as an effect in our lives. Grace can be seen. Note this, Bazalan, in Acts chapter 11, verse 19 to 23. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out of when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus, Cyrene, went on to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them. The Lord's hand was with them. A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Verse, uh, 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 the news, verse 22, the news of this uh, reached the, the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Note verse 23. When he, that is Barnabas, arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Note as the Lord, he was able to can see. Why is grace being able to can see? Because grace is not silent. It speaks. I said to you, the people that last saw you 20 years ago, that saw you 15 years ago, that saw you 10 years ago, or 5 years ago, or 3 years ago, can be able to can see that you have changed. Yeah. 
They are able to can see there is something that happens. Yes, it might not be something that happens instantly, but it's something that is gradually happening. As, well, as long as we surrender our lives to God on a continuous basis, grace continuously works in us. It can be seen. It will be seen. The touch of God, Bazalan, here, note, it reached Antioch because of the disciples that came from Cyprus and Cyrene. They were able to can attract numbers, great numbers, eh, and lead them into the Lord. It is not easy, Bazalan. It is not obvious. It is by the grace of God. It is by the hand of God that is upon uh, these disciples that they are able to do it. And note, very interesting, we don't get to hear their names. Have you noticed that? They say the disciples from Cyprus. Who are the disciples from Cyprus? It is very interesting, only Barnabas is being mentioned. So it therefore says me and you, the nobodies, can operate under the grace of God. Go on, give the, a round of applause to the Lord. Number two, when grace is upon you, you will grow and become strong in spirit and are full of wisdom. When the grace is upon you, you will grow and become strong in spirit. Note that it is the same thing that happened to Christ. In Luke chapter 2 verse 40, it says, And the child, referring to Christ, continued to grow and become strong, filled with wisdom, and the grace, favor, spiritual blessings of God was upon him. So because of the favor that he had with God, because of the spiritual blessings that he had with God, he was able to grow strong in spirit. He was able to be wise. That's why when you read the subsequent verses, he was able to engage with professors of theology at the age of 12. No, he had not been to Bible school. But because of the grace of God upon his life, he was able to get engaged. The Bible says for three days, for three days, he was engaging with them until his parents came and said, but how? For three days. And note, the same thing is repeated in verse 52. In 52 it says, uh, in 52 it says, and Jesus, now it mentions him by name. The first one, it says the child. Here now it says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with men. I see you growing in stature. Because of the grace of God. But we need to realize that. That there are certain things that happen in our lives, not because we were clever, not because we were special ones, but because of the grace of God in our lives. Some of us are eloquent. We are not eloquent. No. We don't, I like Bishop Some of us, we, we have not learned that. But God is able to can use us. He's able to can use us. That's why you might not be, you might be a sweeper, but it's very interesting. The accountants and the clerks the are coming to you for consultation and advice. No, no, not their masapo, no. Not consultation, consultation. <laughs> Are you with me, Bazalan? Yes. No, no. You are able to can give them no, no practical advice. Yes. 
Because of the grace of God. Not because you are special. No, 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 no. Like I said, the, the, the Christian is I print. They are not mentioned by name. It is an encouragement to me, Bezalel. For I might not be in the Bible, but I know that God is able to can use me because his grace is upon my life. Hallelujah. Note number three, the effects of, of grace in our lives. Even in a time of lack, we are able to can sow. We are able to can give. We are able to can offer. Second Corinthians chapter two, uh, Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one to five. I'll just uh, uh, highlight some few points there. Note verse one. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that I was, the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. So Paul says that grace can be ascribed to particular churches. He says in the church of Macedonia, God has given them a special grace, which he's telling the the, the church in Corinth about. He says in verse 2, in the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty world up in, in rich generosity. That they, they were able to can give, even when they are poor. This is a church in Snake Park. This is a church in Slovo. This is a church in Dipslod. This is a church in Ivory Park. This is a church in Zenfontaine. That they were able, this is a church in Freedom Park. They were able to can give out of their poverty. Because of the grace of God. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. That's the first thing. As much as they were able. And even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own. No one was forcing them. That's why, Barcelona, we don't use gimmicks in this church. We, we just share the word of God so that you are getting courage. Then so that out of, their own, out of your own, you may give. Verse 5, and they gave exceeded, uh, and, and they exceeded our expectation. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by their will of God also to us. Know that. They first gave themselves first to the Lord. Brother, giving yourself first to the Lord allows you to receive the grace of God. Allows you to have faith to access the grace of God. Give yourself all uh, to the Lord first. No, don't rush. Don't rush to say, I want to impress uh, this pastor. I want to impress this prophet. I want to impress this. No, 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 no. Give yourself first to the Lord. Verse verse 8 of of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessings come in abundance to you. I see you prospering. I see you having grace come in abundance to you so that you you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being complete and self-sufficient in him and have an abundance of every good work and uh, an act of charity. Guru, you are able to do every good work and the act of charity. Guru, not only do they say, you are, you, are, you, are, you are good. You are able to can show your goodness through acts of charity. 
You are helping other people. So don't, don't worry when you are burdened by the, the, the children on the street. Don't worry when you are burdened by the Nyaupe uh, guys. Don't worry when you are, you, are, you are burdened by people who are poor. God is showing that there's some acts of charity that he wants you to do and he has given you the grace to do it. We're speaking about the effects, the manifestation of God's power. We've read the scripture again. I'm going to read it again. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, the apostle gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them. So we put it this way. We say, because of the great grace, great power was availed to them. Again, it says, with great power, the apostle gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus. And great power and great grace was upon them. So what great power were they showing? What great power were they manifesting? It was a great power of healings. It was great power of telling the word such that 3,000 people get saved in one setting because of grace of God. The grace of God is upon this place. The grace of God is present in this place. So because of the great grace, remember first we said that it indicates the different measure the different measure of grace. That's why it speaks about great power. It means that there is power and there's great power, isn't it? Then it speaks about grace and says great grace. But no, these things, you are able to access them when you surrender your life to Jesus. When you continuously give yourself. Remember the, the Christians in Macedonia, they gave themselves to the Lord. In the first service, I told them about a scenario, not a scenario, and what? And something that happened in 2018. In 2018, we were doing outreaches in preparation for our Good Friday. So we had an outreach in, in, in Ivory Park. So uh, in, in, during that outreach, uh, there was a prayer that was taking place, as we normally do. When the presence of the Lord is in the place, we pray for the sick. So Bishop Freddy and Bishop Mosasono uh, 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 were praying. They were praying for the sick. As they were praying, then here comes the, uh, the, the, the guys. What do you call them? Paramedics. The paramedics had a guy on the stretcher. These are paramedics. They come to us and they say, no, look, Murut, we want this person to be prayed for. No, man. Why didn't you take this person to the hospital? No, no, no. He didn't make it. No, Navazalane Hagi Dogtan. Na Amelayman, Kimuruti. Okay? So when the paramedics they say the man is gone, I believe them. So they brought him to the tent. Car ah, egg test. The Ian is a toots. Eh? Eh, 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 or nagged test. Understand? Then they took him. They took him and said, okay, fine. Then Bishop Mosasono and Bishop Fred Edwards prayed for the man. They prayed for the man. The man stood up. Oh. Yeah, they prayed, prayed for the man. He just, he was unconscious. He became conscious. Hasin Nabazalan. 
The medical guys, the paramedics said the man is gone. That's why they didn't take him to the hospital. But because of their faith and the grace that was present, No, no, before Ler Galeshasha, before Ler Galeshasha. So, Mama says, No, Lord, let, look, let, let's go Friday, give the, the testimonies. Yeah, the crusades. So, crusades can start Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, give the testimonies. So, we go and get this guy, we contact the family and said, Look, can the guy come and give uh, a witness? So, the guy comes just before Santelo Fobopag, Arnaim Rudisi, that didn't say, I was in Agrifustan. No, 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 no. I understand. No, no, So the guy didn't come. <laughs> didn't come to give witness. But it was there. They prayed for him. But I tell you, Bazalane, that didn't, see, you might think that it's something that happened instantaneously. But I tell you, it is 39 years of giving himself to the Lord, of praying day in and day out, pitching the weight. Pitching the weight. Says that when, when such things happen, and they don't happen every often. It is not every day that a person gets arisen from the dead. No, it is not. It is not. It is something that happens because of the presence of God. When the grace of God has touched down, it's able to do things that we cannot understand. Are you with me, Bazaran? But firstly, someone has to give himself. Someone has to give himself. So you might be here and say, Murut, I hear you about this grace. And I want this grace. I want to tell you at the end of the service, we'll give you an opportunity for you to surrender yourself. To give first yourself to the Lord. And I promise you, when you continue on that journey, something will change. The presence of God will transform you from the inside out. The grace of God will transform you from the inside out. And you'll be changed. Just like Saul, you become another person. Number last. You will receive a revelation of God's, of who God is. You will receive a revelation of who God is, and thus you'll enter his rest. You will receive the revelation. In Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 to 14, then Moses said to the Lord, See, you, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you say, you said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, this is Moses negotiating with God. I pray, if I have found a grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. God responds and, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. When, when Moses said, if, you, if, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you, and I will, I will find grace in your sight. In response, God says to Moses, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. The expression, my presence will go with you, in Hebrew, is called pan, panai eleku, which means 
my faces shall go with you. When God said to Moses, Panai Yeleku, he was literally saying, I'll give you manifestation note of grace and goodness through the, the whole of your journey. Know this, I will, I will vary my appearance for you as, as, necessity, as necessities shall require. Let me, let me just, uh, because my eloquence there, it, it took the better of me. What is he saying? He's saying that my, when he says, my face, it's my faces shall go with you. So my presence, my grace will go with you throughout the journeys. And know this, it will vary according to the need that you have. Are you with me, Bazalan? I don't, I don't know if you catch it. The reason why when, when, when Moses said to God, if they ask me, who sent me? God says to them, to, to Moses, say I am, has sent you. Note, I am is I am your provider. I am your sustainer. I am your power. I am your enabler. I am your protector. I am your cover. So depending on your circumstances and the need you have, the grace of God gets shaped in that way. So we looked at uh, uh, five things. Né? We looked at five things. The first we said, grace can be seen. You will be transformed and people will see that. Secondly, is that grace will cause you to be strong. Strong in your spirit and full of wisdom. It will give you wisdom. Thirdly, we said that uh, even in times of lack, you will be able to can give an offer and assist. Why? Because the grace of God will be upon you. It, it manifests itself in God's power. You will be able to can do amazing things. Things that people will never think that you will be able to can do. You will receive a revelation of God, of who God is. Not only that, you will enter his rest. You will enter his rest. So the question is, how do I remain in the atmosphere of God? How do I remain in the atmosphere of grace? One, I said, you surrender your life to Jesus. And that surrendering, Bazalana, starts with an event. It starts with you responding to an outer call, which we'll make right now. Then it continues. You continue to surrender. It becomes a process, surrendering the various parts of your life. Remember when you surrender, Paul says that, that we should give ourselves as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, okay? And we should transform our minds by renewing it. That is continuous surrender. And when you look at uh, James chapter 4, it says to you that you need to be able to submit. When he submits, he's able to can lift you up. He's able to can lift you up. So, surrender yourself. Yeah. Secondly, is that you need to be humble. Stay humble. The Bible says that God resists the proud and uplifts the humble. So stay humble. See, when God uplifts you, he's able to can take you from this level to this level, from this level to that level. That you are able to get experience even the various measures of grace in your life. Know God. Press on to know God. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. So give yourself to knowing the, the, the word of God. Give yourself to knowing God. Give yourself to hearing from God, living from God. When you do that, you stay in the atmosphere 
of the grace of God. I hope you have found something to learn there, Bazalani. I hope that was helpful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's bow our head and let's close our eyes. We've been speaking about the saving grace. And I want to say today the saving grace is in this place. The saving grace is available here and now. All you need to do is to raise your hand as a, as a way of surrendering to God and said, I receive. I have not known this Christ. I have not known this God. But today, because of what I had, I receive. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here and say, Muruti, I want to receive this Jesus. That is giving me grace. Something that is unmerited. Oh, I want to receive him. All you need to do is to raise your hand. Raise your hand very high so that we can pray together with you. Thank you for that hand. Any other hand, thank you for that hand. Any other hand, hands are going up. Hands are going up. Don't remain behind. Grab this uh, grace. Surrender to God. Let him be able to can work in your life. Here. The word of the Lord says salvation is here today. All you need to do is to receive it. You receive it by raising your hand. Can I ask all the people that raised their hand to stand so that we can pray to, together with you? Stand up. You can print out your hand, but stand. Stand. Hallelujah. 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 Maybe you might have not stood up. Maybe you might have not raised your hand, but you want to stand up. You can go ahead and stand and join the people. Join the people. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I ask all the people that have stood up, please come and meet me in the front. I want to pray with you. Come. Come. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I tell you, praise. 